Anybody know where my stand is? If you could find that, it would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> welcome this morning. You know, you get the Christmas trees up here, and they said, I guess no owls just come shooting from the hip today. <laughs> Trust me, you don't want that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's amazing that uh, our whoever was doing our announcements this morning, the video is apparently in the Witness Protection Program. <laughs> it's okay. We take everybody here, right? I told Jeremy, just lower that down, just cut out my middle, and I, and I like that look, right? Just get the head and the feet. Uh, welcome to all of you. Merry Christmas. You can say it back. Thank you very much. It's awesome. Welcome to all of you who are out there in uh, what I call La La Land, uh, which is our, uh, our live stream audience. What a blessing uh, that you are to us. We love your notes, your videos. I just saw a great one. This last week on YouTube, the blessing this church is. I love this church. This church has been such a, a blessing to me. And I love this time of year. I don't know who's responsible for all the trees and all the decorations, but thank you, whoever you are. You know who you are. Uh, what about, yeah, give them a little round of applause. That's worth it. So am I winging it or do we find it? Still looking. All right, good. So I'm just going to keep going. Uh, in fact, where's our scripture reader? We'll go ahead and do that. Come on up here. Yeah, that's you. Come on, bud. This is uh, one of the Hudnalls. I can tell by looking at him. He's my he's my favorite non-twin Huddle. What a blessing he is. Uh, and uh, someone said he was the best looking. Oh, thank you. There's my stand. Uh, he, someone said he was the best looking, but I got news for you. Oh, let's back up right here. There you go, buddy. Um just like in my family, the bar is low, bud. That's okay. You're, you're the best. Look, you got a scripture ready for us today? All right, go ahead. Praise to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resolution of Jesus Christ from the dead and into the inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. How about that? You know, he's only nine years old. That's pretty impressive, uh, Rex. Thank you uh, for that. And when I was thinking this week about Rex sharing our scripture with us, um, it just took me back in my mind to, you know, was, I was about his age uh, when we first came to White's Ferry Road. And so I can remember his great-grandmother, Miss Jean, quoting scripture. Uh, to me, to kids here, to her family. And I just thought about that. What a beautiful symmetry of four generations of faith that we get to witness here, right? What a blessing. Um, what an honor of legacy. I'm so grateful for all those who came before me and provided us this opportunity that we have today. We've been talk calling this series the Inverted Gospel Series. And because some stories are so incredible and so amazing that whether you tell them from beginning to end or end to beginning or just come in at some point in the middle, it's awesome and it's great, right? 
And so even if you tell this story backwards, it's still powerful. I don't know about you, but I've been, I've been blessed every week when I've heard different ones of us being able to share this great story. This story is a story that is transformational. It affects your trajectory. It, it affects your destiny. It changes that. And there aren't many stories that can do that, right? At Christmas time, we, like, we have our favorite movies we like to watch, right? Some of you like to go way back to the black and white movies and the wonderful life and those is great stories, right? And they just, they're just timeless. Some of you like the more modern classics like me. And you can come in at any time on Christmas Eve, right, and catch part of it or all of it. Great stories, but not transformational stories. That's what the story of Jesus does. It transforms our lives. So we talked about the second coming of Christ to begin with, and that really shows us how big God is, right? We talked about time and space and, and him being able to function and operate both out there, in, in, which is only in our imagination, beyond our universe, to right here every single day, every single second of my life. We talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which shows you how personal God is, right? Living inside you, counseling, guiding, bearing fruit in your life. Jesus was right when he said, it's going to be better for you, he told the disciples in John 14, when I leave, because I'm going to be living right inside of you. And 2,000 years later, the Holy Spirit is still personal to every one of us. What a blessing. We talked about the ascension of Christ, which shows how regal God is, right? Larry did a great job of showing that Christ is on that throne, and he's working for us. And he's mediating for us. And he's showing us that there's a place for us, right? Today, we're going to talk about the resurrection of Christ. Last week, Larry used an illustration that the ascension is sort of the guest in the room out of the gospel, you know, symbols we use that nobody knows. Well, everybody knows the resurrection, right? Because it looms for all of us. You know, Dad always says every time he has an ailment, and he, he broke his back, uh, and he's here today, which is pretty amazing. Uh, three weeks ago, he had a, a, compound, a compression fracture in his spine. And the man is so tough that he just dealt with it for a couple of weeks before finally we got something done, right? I don't know if that's stubbornness or toughness or a little bit of both. But now, praise the Lord, he's had some relief this week because they did a procedure, so we thank God for that. But Dad always says every time something happens to him, you know, Al, the older I get, the more stuff happens to me, the resurrection looms larger and larger, right? And I think all of us can attest to that. Today, we talk about how alive our God is and what a blessing that is for us. You see, there's, there's power in life, but all of us know that the little secret about the power of life is that there's always the specter of death. Right? It's always there. When we're young, we don't think about it much. You know, we're young. It's way down the road. It's somewhere else. Until a tragedy happens, until we suffer something in our own family. And then all of a sudden, it's just like it just swoops in on us so fast. And it's so real. And it's such a reminder that in this finite place, we have to deal with it. You see, we were made to live. That's how we were made. We were made in the image of God to live and to shine 
the light of life. You know, you hear somebody say something about the sparkle in your eye. That's the sparkle of life. It means that we're made that way. When you combine John 1 and Genesis 1, there's a great picture of exactly how we were made to live. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God created the heavens and the earth. Through the Word, all things were made that have been made. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, beautiful light. In the Word was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it or understand it. And then God said, let us make man in our image. We were made to live. That's that survival instinct. That's that every fiber of your being that no matter what happens, we hear amazing stories. Things happen to people and what do they do? Many of them survive. We don't know how. We don't know why. It's because we were made to live in the image of God. But we know that the very first man... The very first woman, we're given a choice. You can live. You can live in me. You can live at peace. You can enjoy all the things I've created. You can build a legacy. You can build a family. We can have relationship. Or you can know what is unknown. Darkness. Evil. We know what they chose. And you know what? We've been making that choice ever since. Every single one of us. Somewhere there's a choice. You can know and have the relationship with me or you can choose the unknown of darkness and evil. And billions of billions and billions of times that choice is made. That's where the specter of death comes from. A choice. You know, there were three different times that Jesus expressed a very strong emotional sorrow. It could have been more, but at least three. One was in the garden, in the early hours of the day that he would give his life. He was looking at that specter of death. And it's not like it was a surprise to him, right? I mean, we know that before the creation of the world, a decision was made that he would come here and he would die for us. He knew. Outside time, inside time. And yet, he told his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Literally. Why? Because we're made to live. Because the author of life and light, even though he knew he had to die for us to be saved, still looked at that and said, I want to live. It doesn't say he wept, but it says he was in such anguish in Luke that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That's a deep emotional sorrow, which shows you the specter of death. But it also shows the power of life. 
whenever Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, you know, it's called in your, you know, in your little margins, called a triumphal entry. And it was in the sense of Jesus was coming in to save us. But in, at the moment, it was a very tragic entry. And you know what the Bible says, what Luke says he did? He wept. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Why did he weep? Because in his eyes, since he existed before time and then came here, he knew what was going to happen in 40 years. The death of this beautiful city that he had helped create. All those people that he had offered salvation would be slaughtered. And he wept. Even knowing they had an opportunity to turn before that moment. He wept. Why? Because in him is life and the light of all men. Of course, the most famous Jesus wept is from John eleven thirty five. He gets word one of his really good friends is dying. So instead of rushing there, he delays and Lazarus dies. And by the time he gets there, it's been four days. And we talked about this on our podcast this last week. Larry brought it up. I, I didn't realize it because it's not in the scripture, but there was a Jewish tradition that they believed the Jews did that the spirit would hang around for three days. But once three days was gone, once the spirit recognized that that decaying body was gone, then the spirit would leave. That was the significance of the fourth day. I never thought about that. In other words, Jesus waited long enough for everyone to know this guy is gone. And he did it to start a revolution, something different. But he first comes up on Mary and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In verse 32 of John 11, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then it says he wept. Why? That makes no sense to us. He knew he was about to raise her from the dead, right? Why would he weep in this moment? Why was he so troubled in his spirit? Because we are made to live, not die. And he shared that grief with everyone there, even knowing he was going to raise him from the dead. You see, Jesus in this moment offers us a third option because we've got... We've got the idea of life and being made the image of God. We've got the idea of choice, and we all choose that wrong choice, which puts us in the specter of death. And Jesus comes along and says, good news, folks, i got a third option. You can live again if you choose me. That's what this was all about in John 11. Even in his sorrowful approach to it, he was bringing us an opportunity of life. Here's why I know that. In verse 21 of John 11, Martha gave Jesus almost the same speech as Mary. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What what are they really saying? It's your fault. As if Jesus couldn't have healed him from wherever he was. He's done it before, right? And he loves them so much, he doesn't say, would you be quiet? I'm trying to prove a point here. Jesus is so nice. But I, but she adds a little caveat, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Maybe, maybe, but she doesn't really believe it. 
The reason I know that is because later when he says, getting ready to call him out, she says, oh, Lord, don't do that. He stinks. Don't roll back that stone. And Jesus was thinking in his mind, oh, girl, hold your nose and watch this because this is fizzing to be something. But he, he did, you know what he told her? Your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know. Not us. I know, Lord. I got it. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, that took a lot of faith. I'm making fun of Martha, but that was great. She recognized what a lot of people did in her culture is that there was a resurrection. And Lazarus would rise, just like we believe. But Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. You don't understand, girl. You don't have to look to the end. I'm here. I can do all things. In me is life and resurrection. What a moment. What a statement. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Sounds indestructible. Sounds invincible. Why would we live under the specter of death when we serve a Lord who says, In me I am the resurrection. There is no specter of death. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Wow. So that means when we're standing out at Roselawn or wherever around the world, and we're watching the body be lowered into the ground, we look at that and we say, not gone. This is a temporary. There's light and life, and there's just waiting for a reunion and a resurrection. That's exactly what we're saying. And Jesus proved it. He proved it in the moment of Lazarus. Which you know what happened when he raised Lazarus from the dead? You know what happened? A plot began at that very moment to kill Jesus and Lazarus. You talk about some nerve. How are you going to kill a guy that just got raised from the dead? What if he just raised him again? These people. That's how blinded they were to Jesus. But I got news for you, folks. It's sad. People are that blinded today. They live in fear. They cower. They're so fearful of pandemics and airplanes and this and that and whatever. And they live under this specter and they're so afraid. And there's Jesus with the answer, with the third option. And they're like, nah, I'll pass. I'm going to take my shot with freezing, cutting off my head and freezing it. You do that. Here's the problem. Even beyond the grave, we get to live the resurrected life here by knowing this. Isn't that what Paul said about making a choice in Romans chapter 6? We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus? We were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. A resurrected life. You see, we're already from the mind of God and the heart of Christ. We're already there. He sees us there. Because we're in Christ. 
Paul would go on to say, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him or us. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. And the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do you count yourself that way today? I do with every fiber of my being. Every fiber. So what are some things we know because of an empty tomb? Well, one thing I know is that we will rise as he did. He's shown us the way. He gave us a little glimpse with Lazarus, but Lazarus died again. And Martha was right, waiting for their last great resurrection. But Jesus didn't die again. There's an empty place where they put his body. Because he walked out. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits, first fruits. Guess who the second, third, fourth, and billionth fruits are? Right here. Right here. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And I love the way Paul puts it. He even comes up with a little phrase to let us know, you're not really gone. You're just sleeping. You're just waiting. Now, that bothers a lot of us because we say, oh, I hate to wait. I'm so impatient. Don't worry. You're good. However God works this out, it's going to be the twinkling of an eye for you and me. It's not like you're sitting in some waiting room somewhere with bad music playing, right? In old magazines. That's how we tend to look at it. We even come up with phrases for it. Well, we got purgatory. We got this. We got that. Look, just trust God. We're just waiting. And we don't know when he'll come back. But we know even in the first century, several texts said he may come back while we're here. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, in Christ all will be made alive. So we're going to do it like he did it. Which tells me, and I'm just theorizing now, that we're probably going to be able to do some of the things he did. And he did a lot in 40 days. After he was raised from the dead, he made himself look like other people. Shape-shifting. I'm up for that. I think that's pretty cool, right? I mean, just, you don't need a costume anymore. You just become what you want to be, right? He did that. He appeared and disappeared. I definitely want to do that. People are just walking along and say, whoop, here's Al. Whoop, he's gone. He did that. He walked through locked doors. Oh, how awesome is that, right? They're having a meeting about you, and all of a sudden you're just on the couch. Just thought I'd see what y'all were saying about me. He recreated his wounds and allowed himself to be handled, solid flesh and bone. So it's not like he's floating around. Oh, what are we going to be? Are we going to be like little floating around on the clouds? No, you're going to be solid. Until you decide if you don't want to be silent, go through a door. That's what he did. He could manipulate his body to look exactly like it did when it came off that cross. So that an unbeliever would say, whoa. 
He ate fish. Amen, right? <laughs> Who doesn't want some fish in the afterlife, right? That tells me it's going to be awesome. No calories, no worrying about diets, no carbs. He said, well, I don't like fish. You will in the afterlife. <laughs> it's wonderful. And then he flew away. Okay, you know, now you're showing out, Jesus, right? I mean, he literally flew away. There you go. Size ready to fly. <laughs> Inside, you won't have to have oxygen. You just go, right? Man, Jesus did all that while he was here. Which gives me just a glimpse and hope that I could do all that cool stuff. That sounds like every X-Men movie, every Marvel movie, every DC comic I ever saw. But it's for real. The resurrected body. Wow. It also tells me that an empty tomb, we will live forever. Paul would say again in 1 Corinthians 15, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And as Bill Smith would say, not exchanged to something different, changed. That means it's us. How long is that going to take out in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet? Don't worry about long waiting rooms. There's no waiting with God. From the trump, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. We're going to live forever. No second death. No word about disease. Nothing. Living forever. And somebody says, well, that's just unbelievable. Oh, no, it's very believable. It's called faith. Because you know why? We're made to live God never forgot us when he made us in his image and we turned away and we said, we just got to know about that darkness and evil. He said, I'm still here. I'm giving you an opportunity not only to live, but to live forever. It's believable. And his dad says all the time, if you've got a better story, I want to hear it. There's not a better story. There's not a more truthful story. Jesus has passed on to us through his resurrected glory, immortality. And that's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 that we don't grieve like others who have no hope. We have hope. That allows us to live and to live for him. The last thing an empty tomb tells me is that all things will be made right and whole. We go through a lot in this life. Suffering, injustice, mistreatment, unfairness, illness, loss, pain, sadness, grief. We go through all that. And you know what? By the way, so did Jesus. Except for sin, so he could save us from it, he experienced everything we experience. Everything. Rejection, loneliness, betrayal. But all that is made right in the resurrection. People say, oh, we just need justice. You're going to get it because God is just. 
He said in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, his judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy in the kingdom of God. That's you and I. Because of Christ, we are worthy. Because of Christ, all things will be made new. Politics, all these things that are trying to get justice, never going to work. You know, it's the one thing that will work, Jesus Christ. Because his judgment is right. So we don't fear that great resurrection. A few weeks ago when I talked about the second coming, I told you that every knee should bow because we bowed our knee, but every knee will bow. I don't fear that day because of Jesus. And once, in my, once I'm in my super cool resurrected body, I'm going to live forever in the presence of God. And that's the best part of all. I am the resurrection and the life. And guess what? You get to live with me. So this morning, it really comes down to a choice. It always does. Do you choose an empty tomb? Or do you choose an empty, unfulfilled life? That's the choice. And look, I know how the evil one works. He was the one that first came up with the idea about you need to know the unknown, right? Did God really say? So I know he's still operating and working. I know how he is. He's still creeping into your mind with the doubts and the, well, what about this? And you're really not worthy. And, you know, you really don't trust. And look what you did last. He's just, that's what he does. He wants you empty and unfulfilled. But here's what John said that Jesus said. I am the bread of life. There it is again. Life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am your fulfillment. Everything in me. But what if I'm hungry? You're not really, because you have Christ. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of you. That he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. He's not going to lose you, folks. But you got to choose the empty tomb. You got to choose him. You can't go it on your own. There's no cryo freeze that's going to work. You want to survive the planet, you trust in the empty tomb. Do you choose good this morning or do you choose evil? John say in John 5, a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. That means everybody's going to resurrect. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Oh, I got to do more good than evil. No, 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 no. Just choose Jesus. Let him be the good. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. That's going to be the ones that don't choose Jesus. Don't be one of those. If you haven't made the decision to follow him, to commit your life to him, to trust him, to be with him, to live for him, today is the day you need to do that. It takes faith, I know. I mean, it's not like he's not asking a lot. He is. He's asking us to believe all this really happened. And he's asking us to believe it's really going to happen at the end. 
You got a better story? If you don't, you need to start by believing that story and committing your life to it. Becoming new. That verse in Romans 6 is such a beautiful picture of a person going down into some water and coming up as a vision of new life. That's what Jesus did when he came out of that tomb. And we live that vision. If you've never done that, today's the day. Do it while we stand, while we sing. Thank you.